Welcome to the Gospel Gazing Podcast. My name is Wilson Van Hooser. I'm the senior pastor at Grace Presbyterian Church here in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And I am joined with John Robert Biggs, who literally is probably 10 feet away from me, but in another room because uh, I had to get him on Zoom so we could record it. So uh, this is like awkward, but we're just going to embrace the awkwardness. Uh, JR, tell us about yourself. Tell us what you're doing. And uh, definitely the, uh, the work that you're having to repair, the ministry you're having to repair at the moment. And that's right. I I took over RUF from Wilson and yeah. uh, real rough. Yeah, in, real rough. No I, pun intended. I really turned it around in the four months. <laughs> <laughs> We're seeing revival all over the place. That's right. It's all it's all because of me. <laughs> no, um, no. It's been it's been really fun. I I grew up in Oklahoma and went off to Charlotte, uh, RTS Charlotte, the better um, between Jackson, Orlando, and Debatable. Charlotte, the, the Debatable. RTS. And um, have returned back to the the um, Sooner State, now the yes. Cowboy State, uh, because of Bedlam. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing RUF here. Been really enjoying it. It's been really fun. Yeah, so, I think yeah. Uh, I think probably for an episode, what we need to do is try to get. Uh, maybe Ligon Duncan on here and we'll just put him in the hot seat and just tell, we'll, we'll say, look, you need to tell us forever, you know, from now on, like, which is the better campus Jackson or Charlotte? That's right. I tried to get Dr. Kara to tell us and he would always, he would always say that he couldn't say. Yeah, I think so. I think we need to make sure we, we, uh, really hype it up too. Yeah. Um, well, y'all I'm pumped. We got Jr. on the podcast and, uh, Obviously, he's going to be a frequent guest in the future, uh, unless he really messes this one up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, we're talking today about uh, a great book called Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Uh, you might have read it. You might have just looked at it, um, or you might have heard about it. Uh, but J.R. and I are going to be talking about this book and really just the whole idea of knowing God and uh, having a high view of God. And and as we do on the Gospel Gazing podcast, we don't just talk about theology, but we work on applying it to all of life. And uh, uh, that's literally what uh, JR has to do with college students week in, week out, which is one of the blessings of RUF. Um, all right, so you've read Knowing God. Uh, you've read Knowing God, what, three times now? Yeah, three times. Mm-hmm. And when when did you first read the book? The first time I read the book was uh, the summer after my freshman year of college. And I was working at Alpine Camp for Boys down in Mintone, Alabama. Yeah. And um, a lot of people read books. And my dad sent me and my older brother with just this box of books that we could read. And the first one that I chose was knowing God because I'd heard a lot about it, but hadn't read it. And I would read the Hobbit to my eight campers at night and then they'd go to sleep. And then I'd pull out my headlamp and I read knowing God. Oh, it was, I couldn't put it down. I, I sacrificed the few hours of sleep that I got at summer camp to read knowing God. And it was just really fruitful. And opened up my eyes to who God is and what that means for my life practically, very practically. So 
I, I remember, man, this would have been 2015 when I first read it. I was interning. Uh, I, I was volunteering at uh, for, as a youth intern at Trinity Press Montgomery. And uh, I had just I started reading some books on the attributes of God and I kept hearing about it. And then I finally picked it up and I remember how much I mean, I remember where I was in my parents house uh, in in the living room, sitting on a couch on the right side of the you know room. Like that's how uh, momentous that book was. Um, it really is. I mean, it, it, it is a uh, I mean, it's a classic. And there's there's a reason why I'm really not the type of person that goes back and reads books again. There are very few that I do. And knowing God is one of those. I read it um, summer camp. And then I came back again when I was doing an RUF internship at New Mexico State University. And you just see new things. It's a book that you can read again. It's very practical. And then I read it again um, my first year of seminary. But it's just so it's so rich. And yeah it's a testament to what dwelling on God does and his nature mm. and his wisdom and, and who he is and the Godhead and the Trinity dwelling yeah. on all those things is so full that you can do it over and over and over again for the rest yes. of your life, not just yeah. through knowing God, but um, mm-hmm. that's its focus. And so it's, it's really fruitful over and over and over again. Uh, I think that opens up uh, a, a great point because in chapter one, Packer actually very interestingly begins his book with a long quotation from someone else. And at the end of the quotation, he describes how the person who just said that, that he just quoted was a 20 year old pastor by the name of Charles Spurgeon. Um, This quote by a 20-year-old Spurgeon um, is one of the most rich things I've ever read outside of Scripture. Um, Can you talk to us about what Spurgeon says in there and uh, how that really sets the tone for the rest of this book? Yeah, um, he's really talking about what what it is to... um, what it is to dwell on the study of God. And yeah. just, just like I said a, a second ago, and um, I'll just read part of it. Yeah, he sa- yeah, he says, yeah, no, please sub- no subject of contemplation will tend more to humble the mind than thoughts of God. Um, and he goes on to talk about how there's, there's no one who in a time of suffering will not benefit yeah. from dwelling on God. That That's the, that is the focus of the Christian life is to dwell mm-hmm. more on God and how practical it is and how meaningful it is in whether you're suffering or whether you're going through um, times of of prosperity. Wherever you are, there is no instance where dwelling on uh, the nature of God is um, it doesn't bring profit and and help and balm yeah. to the soul. Yeah, and it's a long quote. Obviously, I'm not going to yeah. read it all. But it's so it's so it sets the tone because it's saying this is this is going to be fruitful. This is going to be wonderful. Um, well, join and, us here. Yeah, and it, and it the way Spurgeon spoke and and the way Packer continues to uh, explain is it's not merely talking 
you you don't you don't feel like you're just kind of reading about God in the sense that like you know oh it's a subject you know, you study. yeah 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 it it this is something man when they talk about God they talk about God it's almost like this they they put the God in God mm-hmm. um that that He is the reality and. Everything in life is about him and should be about him. And and I think that's what just has gripped so many people through the years when they just open up with that quote. Because in a lot of ways, we have not thought about God like that. Yeah. Yeah. Often we, we come to God in our need instead of coming to God and dwelling on him and then realizing he meets every need. Yeah. You know, it's sort of. It's sort of this, we we go to God only when we need him, when really we need God all the time. Yeah. Now, you, you've already kind of hit on this a little bit uh, about how, how important it is to dwell on God. Why is it vital for Christians to have right thoughts of who God is? Yeah. Um, I, I've been preaching through First Peter uh, for my students. And if they're listening to this, they'll, they'll, you know, they can hear it again, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been preaching through first Peter and it's, it's very apparent. Um, even in one part where he, he sort of goes into this chiasm of what he wants all Christians to do. And it starts with um, having a humble mind and having unity of mind. And then it sort of goes into having sympathy and having a tender heart. So it starts in your mind and knowing things, but that's never all that it is. Yeah. It flows into your heart and takes root in your heart so that you see people through mm-hmm. the lens of this idea of God, this knowledge of God. And then that moves into the focal point of your life, which is brotherly love. Yeah. And that's not just some disposition, but it's it's action. It's yeah. practical. Yeah. And J.I. Packer talks about this in the in the preface, how there are people who are balconiers. They're sort of mm. the people who come and sit on the balcony. Yeah. And it's 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 merely intellectual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then they're they're the travelers. So he put he puts that dichotomy up. And it's the travelers that he's writing to because he's saying there is this knowledge of God that we've fallen into that's just it's just knowledge, it's just an intellectual exercise. And that's not what this book is about. This book is about people who are walking in faith step by step. And they want to follow the old paths is what he said. Yeah. The old old paths of godliness and knowing Mm -hmm. God. And and that's who this book is for. It's for the travelers who are saying, I want something not just, it is intellectual. It is knowing. That's what it's correct. Correct. But it leads to action that is, that is useful for life. And he's, he's, he saw the evangelical world, the church as, as losing those things yeah. in the modern world. So well, and I think that's that's so key because it, it's been a modern tragedy how we've separated the study of theology from real life. And um it, it's very audacious for Christians to say that uh theology is not practical. Now now to be sure there are ways in which we can talk about theology where we're actually not doing theology rightly that to be sure, but, uh, theology, uh, as, as it's done truly, as it's done biblically, 
um, is the most practical thing you can study. And I think that's what's so beautiful about Packer. And I, I, I remember this, this was really one of the early books uh, in my uh, Christian life where um, I, it was, I, I, at least I remember it being so impactful of realizing the, the truth of like, man, what I believe really matters and developing that worldview. Um, so now what happens when Christians have low views of God? How do we see this practically, uh, affecting people whenever we actually do have poor theology? Yeah, that's a really great, great question. I, th- I think again, um, it's easy to go to Packer. Um, yeah. how, why did he write this book? Well, he said there are two trends in the Christian church that he was writing this book for. It was one because Christian minds have been conformed to the modern spirit. And I think this is true. When when we have a low view of God, um, we are we are uh, subject to the winds of cultural change. Yeah. Yeah. So you could look, you could look at today and say, okay, what are the cultural movements that are going on? And then say, look how that's those things have worked their way into the church so that it's dividing the church. Yep. And you could name them. People listening to this podcast could name the things, the cultural winds of the church that have so moved and divided the church today. And that's true of every age. Yep. Why do those things creep into the church? It's because we have a low view of God. We we don't have the foundation that's mm. supposed to um, solidify us, that we're supposed to build on so that when the cultural winds come and blow us this way and that, we stand. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really the first trend that he's writing for. It's having a high view view of God is, is uh, a bulwark against um, the modern spirit of whatever the problem is of the day. Yeah. That becomes our main problem. But also he said um, that he's writing because the second trend is that Christian minds have been confused by modern skepticism. Yeah. And that's another thing. Truth has become, especially in America, especially, I mean, he's writing this in 1974 or 73. Um, we're 50, we're 50 years past that. There's been a lot yeah. that it's happened. Um, but the skepticism Especially in um, shout out to the AI podcast that you had the other yeah yeah you guys should go listen to that but people don't know what to believe anymore yeah yeah of everything where do you find truth and and the Bible resoundingly says it is in God Himself who reveals and that's where he starts he starts in Scripture he starts in how has God revealed Himself as Himself Um, yeah that's where you start and that's where you go and so how do you fight skepticism? How do you fight? Well, where is the truth? You, you have a high view of God. And yeah. What believer. Well, and one thing that's really interesting is when you go to, uh, I don't even know, do we have Christian bookstores anymore? I feel like everything's going on Amazon, uh, or, or whatever the, the publisher's website, but we have, we have online Christian bookstores. We have online Christian bookstores. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but how, how many of the, "Quote unquote Christian books that are being published today, the plethora of them are so little on uh, rich theology, and because they want to get quote unquote practical, and 
Mm. I think one thing that was so refreshing about reading Packer was uh, he does. He absolutely gets practical. We've mentioned that. He absolutely applies it to real life. But I think one of the great things he does in the book is that he actually reminds us what is the heart of Christianity, and it's simply loving God. God right. is not a means to an end. He is the end. Right. Um, you know, at the end of the day, life here is about enjoying God. I think our Westminster Shorter Catechism says something about uh, the chief end of man. Yeah, um, something about that. Yeah, something about that. And I, I think that's been something that's been really refreshing. You know, as you come to some of these books, you can tell that there are certain books that are not like the others. And Packer's book is is one of those where you you really are face to face with a God who cannot be tamed and uh, and yet a God who you so lovingly, fearfully want to draw near to. And at the same time, you're looking at your whole life saying, how do I live in light of God in this area? Or how do I live in light of God in this area? Uh, because that's what happens when you have a high view of them. Um, yeah. Now, yeah, I, I, I yeah, can't remember exactly. I can't remember exactly how John Piper sort of altered the first uh-huh. uh, question of the catechism, but I, I think he said uh, the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying yep. Him forever. Yep. That yep. was his big thing, and he also has this quote: um, evangel- "Evangelism exists because worship doesn't." Bingo. And and j- to bring all that together, J.I. Packer, this isn't in Knowing God, this is in his concise theology, um, but he says, as I often tell my students, theology is for doxology and devotion. Yes. That is the praise of God and the practice of godliness. And it's in that quote that he's really saying it's practical. It's not practical yes. for, oh, let's dumb down our theology and make it all about action of the age. No, it's it's practical in the sense that it always leads to praising God and worshiping Good. Him and living a godly life according to His scriptures. Good. I think that's where J.I. Packer is coming from when he says that it's the it's the knowledge that leads to practicality in that sense, in godliness and doxology. You and I have both been in youth ministry and college ministry, and this seems to be in those ages— uh, I might. I, I don't think there's any stats behind this. I think just experientially, that tends to be the ages where uh, people maybe say a little bit more so of like, "Well, just give me what's practical." Uh-huh. But how have you seen your students, uh, you know, college students in general, and uh, youth students? How how have you seen what happens when they grow in their knowledge of who God is? Yeah, it's it's very clear. Um, again, to use the um, balconiers versus travelers um, dichotomy that Packer lays out, it's very clear when someone's growing in their knowledge merely intellectually, and yeah. when someone's growing in their knowledge because they're trying to put it into practice. Mm-hmm. And and so you you'll see in those who just want to observe that they they get really sort of almost like someone who goes to an opera that or or like a 
a classical um i don't know orchestra and like if you weren't there you can't understand it correct so it's, yeah. It's yeah sort of for themselves and they they can talk about it but you have no concept for it whereas if you're a traveler you're like come with me let me show you how this is yeah. done and so yeah. it, it orients you towards people mm -hmm. um, when you yes, have good. when you have a right view of god it orients you toward others uh because you it's not about you yeah it's not about puffing yourself up yeah. And so, so when, when when you see people really take hold of, you know, we're going to talk about propitiation, you know, mm -hmm. uh, those big it, it, they're not big words anymore. They're they're what what did Jesus do for me? He yes. satisfied God's wrath on the cross. That that is that is immensely practical. Yes. And, and should influence the way you walk every day and the way you view other people as maybe Jesus died for them, too. Maybe yes. yeah. maybe I'm the one who gets to proclaim that not not of me and not of my knowledge, but of the knowledge of of the Son of God. Yeah, that, that just it orients you towards others, and I think student you can see it practically in students when they it sort of clicks, and then they start yes. saying, oh, "The world doesn't revolve around me; it revolves yeah. around God." <laughs> and there's something greater there than Being myself. Good. Well, and two of the more famous chapters in this book are. Uh, the two chapters, one's called the heart of the gospel and another one's called sons of God. And, uh, in the chapter, the heart of the gospel, we see Packer put such an emphasis on what's called propitiation. Um, first off, what does that mean? Because that might be a very foreign word to us, or maybe we read it in scripture and, uh, we know it has to do something with the cross, but, but can you explain what what propitiation is? Yeah, um, in its simplest way, it's satisfying the wrath of God for us. That's what pr propitiation is. And and J.I. Packer, the reason why that chapter hits, um, as they say in RUF, it hits yeah, different. Yeah. Um, that's a Gen Z term for all you. Yeah, yeah. We got. Uh, we have a lot of riz, isn't that right? Is that what we're supposed yeah, to say? Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. I hope, I hope uh, everyone's cringing right now. I hope they are. I hope yeah. they are. Uh, slay the house down boots. <laughs> so, we'll have to look that one up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm cringing now that I'm saying yeah. these things. <laughs> um, but I smell like my sheep, so that's what, that's what it's about. <laughs> um, no, he 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 builds up to it. If you read the, I mean, even if you, if you just look at the, I'm turning to this, the chapter titles now, I mean, he goes through chapter 14, God, the judge, chapter 15, the wrath of God, chapter 16, goodness and severity, chapter mm. 17, jealous God. And so you, even as you're reading this, you're sort of like, okay, they're great chapters, yeah. but that had to come before you get to the chapter that yeah. says the heart of the gospel. Yes. And then he yes. hits propitiation. So he's, he's been hammering these things. God's wrath is real. And, and it, it yeah. leads you to tears. It leads you to thankfulness and gratitude that all of that, that's true that he's hammered out in those chapters graciously and, and pastorally and practically. Yeah. He gets this and he says, here's the heart of the gospel. Mm. Just like the Bible. And it's sweet and it's tender. And it says, yeah. I deserve wrath, but I, I, I don't get it. Why? Because because this is the heart of the gospel that Jesus died for your sins and satisfied the wrath of yeah. God. For you. And you're no longer at enmity, enmity toward him, but you can 
actually be, and then he goes into the next chapter. You yeah. can be yeah. done again because you're united to Christ. That, yeah. That, that'll preach. <laughs> that'll preach, man. Yeah. That'll change the way you live and the, 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 it'll change the way you think about yourself and others. Yeah. Well, and I love that you use that word, uh, satisfies. Um, I, I, I remember, uh, this has happened on numerous occasions, but I remember counseling someone who, uh, was really struggling with, uh, cutting and self-harm. And I remember there was, uh, after many, many, uh, sessions with this person, there was kind of the, the watershed moment. And what happened was just in the Lord's sovereignty, he really used this truth of propitiation uh, in this person's life. And when I was explaining it to him, uh, I had I told them, I said, you know, if if Christ is the propitiation, then that means uh, God is satisfied. He, he's not asking for anything more. Um, literally, and, I, and this is what I said. I, I said, literally, literally on the cross, Christ was cut off. He, he, he was truly cut so that you don't have to. And because one of the things that was happening with, with, with the student was that they would see their sin and they would punish themselves. Mm. And it was this concept of propitiation and for them to, you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit to realize, oh man, Christ is that for me. I mean, yeah. and it was, I mean, it just, it was heat. Now they, they certainly, there was still more, more counseling and sanctification that needed to happen, but man, it was one of those where you could see it. And, and I think that's been such an incredible truth for my own life, but I've seen it numerous times in counseling where at the heart of the gospel, when you get to propitiation for someone to realize, wait a second, God's God's happy with Christ. Uh-huh. Um, he 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 is he is telling me to believe him. Oh man, it's a game changer. Uh, it is, and I think people who cut themselves, or even I mean, you've seen in our culture the rise of suicides. Yeah, people don't know what to do with guilt, but the truth is, yeah. they're being honest with themselves that guilt demands death. Correct, guilt demands punishment. Yeah. yeah. But the problem is they just don't know that it's been there's been a punishment that's been taken for them that there exactly. is a death that has satisfied guilt's yeah uh, uh, rule over them yeah and that's what that's what's that's the heart of the gospel yeah it's that the the death that guilt demands has been satisfied I, I think it was actually uh, my my second spring semester in RUF and I had preached on. Um, uh, the Passover lamb in Exodus. We we, we were doing a, a series on uh you know the some of the big text on you know Jesus in the Old Testament, yeah. and uh, we had come to that one, and that was actually one of my applications. I believe was saying how you know when 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 God passed over and He saw the blood of the lamb, He said, "Yeah, I'm good," and uh, you but you better be good with that too, mm-hmm. and. I was applying that actually to things like self-harm and, and uh, I'd have to go back and look at it, but I, I'm pretty sure I, I'm thinking about suicide as well. And you're right because man, are, 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 how often do our consciences scream at us saying you're guilty and we fail to remember Christ. 
And mm-hmm. yeah, it is. It, it's it's super painful and it's super haunting. And uh, even Christians can can really struggle with uh, self harm and and even uh, suicidal thoughts and even commit suicide, uh, which is so devastating. And that's why I think this truth, man. You talk about practic- practicality right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, this is this is massive. It's massive, and he's writing 50 years ago, and it's just as applicable today yeah. because it's not J.I. Packer saying it. It's yeah. his dwelling on God himself. That's yeah. why that's why this book is so valuable, and that's why everybody should read it because yeah. it's in that way. You, you've, one of the things you've done so well in, in this conversation is uh, putting the emphasis on it gets us out of ourselves to dwell on God, to behold God. And uh, this doctrine of propitiation uh certainly uh seems to do that because it's 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 saying that it's not us who propitiated god it is christ why do you think it's important to see how uh the gospel actually brings us out of ourselves yeah i i think there's lots of ways that it does this um but when you dwell on god you realize and you think you think of um, David when he's dwelling on God and he says, what is man that you're mindful of? Oh, him? good, good. Um, you think of all these sort of musings. You think of um, you think of Isaiah when, you know, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And he, yes, he just, we are a generation of unclean lips. You know, I, I'm a man of unclean lips or however it said it's said in Isaiah. Yeah. Um, you think of Moses uh, in the same way. Yeah, good. All of these people beholding God. And they they understand their sin, and mm-hmm. again they understand that they deserve death. Yeah, and it gets yeah. you out of yourself in that way. Yeah, um, I feel like you know I I could be beating a dead horse though, but but you realize how small and insignificant are you? But at, then at the yeah. same time, in that turn, it's God who comes to that person in that yes. moment and says, "I have made you who I am, who you yeah. are. I'm calling you to myself." I cleanse you. Now go and proclaim my good news. To yes. Um, go teach. Um, go go be others oriented. It gets you outside of yourself. Yeah. It's over and over and over and over and over again in scripture where mm-hmm. a person sins, is restored, and then goes out and teaches and feeds and proclaims the beauty not of themselves, yeah. but of God himself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think... In in our day and age where we're so obsessed with self-esteem, I think very, very interestingly, the gospel says, hey, if you really want to think actually well about yourself, stop thinking about yourself so much and start thinking much of God, because then you will be able to understand who you are. Um. This, once again, huge thing in our culture. You're on the front lines of this as a college uh, uh, someone in college ministry and man, I mean, you talk about college is almost one of the more selfish times of someone's life because we're on our own. We're learning how to live life. So, yeah. I mean, how does this help someone get out of themselves to think highly about God and then by application, then have right thoughts of self? Yeah. Especially in college, you you get you come in your freshman year and 
statistically the two most lonely people in the United States are number one, are senior citizens in nursing homes. So just a reminder, go visit some senior yeah. citizens in yep. homes. But second are college freshmen. And the reason for that is because they're plucked up out of their family situation and put in a place that's new and different. And they, they have to process all of these different life changes in the senior home and in the in in college. And so freshmen are are so trying to figure out who they are apart from their parents and not necessarily going against their parents, but some some do. Um, but just trying to figure out who they are. And the best yeah. place they can go is to God himself. Yep. But then you're given all these opportunities in college. So it's sort of this overwhelming, you'll see all these sophomores who are involved in fraternities and sororities or clubs yep. or ministries, sometimes several, whatever it is. Yeah, and they're, yeah. they're just so tired, out of their mind. Yes. And then they come to their junior year and they're like, okay, I'm a little more sure of myself. Mm. I don't have to do everything that comes before me. What do I have left? And it's in each of those moments that really, really the truth of the gospel is is very practical to them that yeah. um, you aren't you aren't defined by your self-conception of yourself, your freshman yeah, year, yeah. loneliness or who yeah. you're associated with or your decisions necessarily. Um, you're not defined by all the clubs that you're in or how busy you are, what a yeah. temptation it is to be busy and say that's why we're important. Mm. Um, dwelling on God takes stepping away from your phone instead of yeah, going on now. Scrolling, on and now. scrolling and scrolling yeah like every app we have we have five apps at any given time on our on our phones that are made to make us stay in the app mm. uh, to keep scrolling what if what if we set that aside and said i'm going to dwell on the greatest thing ever in the history of the world the, the creator of the universe yeah the one who has saved my soul my father mm. um one who sent his son to die for me and we let the guilt take it take its course, yes. not to our own self-harm, but to the only one, the only solution that can answer it. Our our world, our college students are so overstimulated with things. Yeah. Take their mind off God. Yeah. And this book, but but your Bible, yes. the knowledge of God, oh, no. um, is is again a way to fight against those things. And in doing so, you know yourself better because you know who God is. Yeah, who he created you to be, and um, and that he's saved you from the biggest predicament in your life, which is your own sin and your own heart that yeah. you're trying to mask um, yeah. with all the scrolling and social media and all that stuff. In it could go on and on. The the um, applications are are go on and on. Yeah, um, but it's so it's so applicable. Yeah. People who read Knowing God and say it's oh it's too you know it's too intellectual for me or I couldn't get through it. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're missing, they're missing the, the ripe fruit of it. And I yeah. think if you give it a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's, uh, sometimes the, the it's not like there's too much chocolate, but rather the chocolate's so rich. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, so now in, in the next chapter and, and once again, I, I think what's so helpful for us is to hear how uh actually how thoughtful Packer was with these chapters because it's not just like it's a book of just individual chapters but it's it's telling a whole story and he flows out of talking about propitiation to say hey because of this 
uh, you are now sons of God. Right. Um, Packer has a really famous quote here that uh, it's probably been repeated and, and, and summarized a bunch, but he says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. Right. Why, why do you think that's the case? Man, do you want to do another podcast? Yeah, I know. I know. It, yeah, we might have to on this one. Why, I mean, is, adop- why is adoption important uh, in the Christian life? Yeah. Uh, there's so many reasons. I mean, you could go you could go the inheritance route. Um, yeah. I, can't, I can't remember. It's been a while since I've read, read uh, that chapter. I can't remember where he goes there. Um, but you could go the inheritance route that we, we have what we possess as sons and daughters of God. Um, in Christ is infinite. Yeah. Um, yep. Doesn't perish like all, all the other things in this world. Um, but also, again, thinking of First Peter, I've been preaching through First Peter. Um, he, he talks about this and how we have we have a name. Mm. Um, we are named, and our name is holy because um, God is our Father. Yeah. It's yeah. Sort of like this is this is the family business. And because oh, it's the, yeah, because it's the family business, then we get to we get to engage in holiness in the world. And yeah. as we do that, other people see um, see the beauty of who God is. Yeah, um, they get to enjoy Him. They see it in society. They see it as we submit to to institutions and elders. Mm. All these things. Why do we do all those things? Well, it's because we have an inheritance, and because we have a name. Yeah, and God is our Father. You know, you could go down. He cares for us. Um, what we, we are all sinful, and yet we give our kids good gifts. How much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit? Yeah. You, you could, there's so many. There's so many um, routes. Why can you be a son? Why Why are you renewed? Because Because you've been reconciled to God. He yeah. no longer looks on you in wrath. He looks on you as a as a son in love. Um, yeah. You can boldly approach the throne. Yeah, because it's yeah. like a son going to a father to ask for things. It, just over and over and over again, adoption comes up and is, is yeah. Happening. Well, and it's beautiful in our Westminster Shorter Catechism, uh, question thirty-four: What is adoption? Adoption is an act of God's free grace, whereby we are received into the number and have a right to all the privileges of the sons of God. Uh-huh. I think one thing that's amazing is, uh, you know, in question 33 and 34, talking about uh, question 33, is talking about justification and question 34 is the one I just read. It says justification and adoption are both an act, a one time act that is not undone. Sancti- right. Sanctification is a work. And that is hugely important because. Uh, how often we come across people who, of co- of course, they're going to sin. Uh, that's not given a license. It's just describing the reality. Of course, you're still going to sin. Uh-huh. But Jr., how often do you see college students who come to you who feel as if they've lost their adoption because of their sin? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there are lots of lots of students who have tender consciences. Because they love the Lord, yeah, and, yeah. Um, 
I mean, it's the same thing. You have to go back to propitiation. You have to understand that God's wrath is no no longer on you. Again, it was a one-time act that satisfied that. There's not this constant worry. There's not this constant, oh, I'm I'm in question. Um, Just like there's not a constant question of my my son. I have five kids, the sixth on the way. And there's never a question that they'll always be my sons and daughters. Yeah. There's nothing they could do that could um, separate them from my love, really, honestly. Yeah. And when they do sin, I don't look at them as like, oh, you know, what a terrible thing. I'm going to punish them. I look at them and say, they're a child and they need yeah. direction. Yeah. And they need guidance. And sometimes that involves discipline. Oftentimes yeah. it involves discipline. Yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah. A, it's not a discipline as punishment. It's a discipline Correct. of, That's I, want you, I want you to grow. Yes. I want you to grow into the man that you're supposed to be, the woman that you're supposed to be. And if that's how I look on my kids and I'm a sinner, and yep. and yeah. obviously the Lord's redeemed me and given me a new nature, but um, I still wrestle with the old man as Paul talks about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. If I can see my kids that way, albeit imperfectly, how much more does God the Father who is perfect um, see me as a son or see yeah. you as a son or a daughter? It's It's... It's profound. Yeah. And even if you looked at the headings of J.I. Packer's uh, uh, chapter, it, it covers so many things. Yeah. Hope and faith and love. And it's yep. just rich and full. And that's what dwelling on God does. It's yep. rich and full. Bingo. And you can read it again and again and find new things in it. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think it's really huge for us to understand uh, the the ordering uh, of these things. Um, we We don't. We don't pursue sanctification in order to uh, secure adoption or even this. We, we don't pursue sanctification in order to keep adoption. No, no, no it, it's, it's there. And uh, we, we, we pursue sanctification because we are adopted. And right. by understanding not just that truth, but the plethora of Christian truths, man, it changes us. Uh, in order to want to live like a child, and uh, and that that is key. I, I I think a big point here that once again you're doing such a good job of is, um, you know, adoption is it is a wonderful doctrine, and we need to only promote it more. But we need to always make sure we don't just think about who am I, but we need to really think about whose am I, mm-hmm. um. We, we need to make sure that adoption is being adopted by this God. And right. that right there is a game changer um, for having confidence to fight against sin, having confidence to know that even when I sin again, that there's still grace in Christ for me. Um, it, it really does. It is the... It is, um, the good news of the gospel is that we get to gaze upon God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, but here is one thing we we do have to deal with this today in our culture. Um, not all of us have had a good father. Um, and at least all, all of us, uh, have had sinful fathers. Um, so how, how does a high view of God, correct our understanding of what it actually means for God to be a good father. 
Yeah, it's really hard because I think on one hand, uh, especially nowadays, and I'm sure this is true at other times in history, but I, I feel it now. Yeah. Maybe my feelings are off. I don't know. But I, I, it seems to me that experiential knowledge is valued as more than other types of knowledge, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if your experience is that you had a bad father, then the yep. assumption is that there's no way for us to to view a good father. Yeah. And I think that's wrong. Correct. Um, Correct. I don't have to experience everything to know things. So I don't have to experience a perfect father to know that I have a perfect father in heaven. Yeah. And um but but that being said, it does make it harder. Yeah. It does make it harder when you have had a, a bad father mm. or even when you've had a, a sinful father. But that's, again, that's the truth of the gospel yeah. that that you can have a good father despite yeah. what you what your experience has been. Yeah. And that actually restores you mm-hmm. and dwelling on the fact that God is your father, not a sinful one, but a perfect one. Yeah makes you hope and long for him. Yeah. It makes you it makes his grace sweeter. It makes yeah. his redemption more beautiful. Yep. And, and you know, let's say what if you don't even have a father? What if yeah. you yourself yeah. are adopted? How much more do you long for the adoption of your heavenly father? Yeah, that's good. Um it 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 opens the doors to being even more um thankful. And having yeah. even gratitude. Sometimes, sometimes we can look on our life and say, "Oh, woe is me." It, it, mm-hmm. it can't be true. But God uses even the worst of things to show yeah. that He is better and He is to be longed for. So, yeah, it, yeah. Well, and how, how often? Yeah, how often have we seen uh, young men? Uh, some of them are personal friends who they did not have the best father. Um, And the Lord actually, by showing them a greater, uh, you know, love and glory and wisdom and protection, uh, you know, all of that, who he is showing, revealing himself as father, (laughs) they're great fathers today. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're right. not they're not perfect but i, I do think I, I think that's a very important point because uh yes the experiential matters but we live in a day and age where uh we put the experiential above uh the objective truth of scripture when rather uh our, our experiences never reinterpret our theology our theology always interprets our experience that's right. And and uh, there's another lie that says you are what you experience. And so if you had a bad father, then it's guaranteed that you're going to be a bad father too. And the cycle, oh, man. In. Yeah. And uh, that's just this, this flies in the face of that lie that yes. just because you had a bad father, you are not, you are not your experience. You are, there's yeah. something greater than that. And we're, we're to be people of the word. Big Again, yeah. this goes back to why we should read, read good books, yeah. ultimately the Bible, but good books too. Because yeah. it gets us outside of ourselves. Um, you know, a man who reads can live a thousand lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your your 
you're subjected to more cultures and you're subjected to more experiences and you're able to be more sympathetic. And it's those, it's, it's reading that makes you a better father. Yep. And ultimately yeah. it's, it's reading, yeah. dwelling, meditating on your heavenly father. Yeah. And letting that soak into your soul that totally wipes away any experience that would define you and yeah. restore you and renames you as a son mm. so that you can be a good father in your own life. Yeah. No, that really is. Yeah. I think that's key. Now, if we wanted to, uh, maybe, maybe we've already read J.I. Packer's Knowing God and we, we wanted to continue to grow and uh, knowing him and studying him uh, or, or maybe, uh, maybe we are, you know, a little intimidated by a book that length and, uh, we're trying to figure out, figure out where else to start. Do you have any suggestions for us of, uh, where we could start, uh, to study more of who God is or, or maybe some, some, some helpful books to come alongside of the main diet of scripture to help us understand who God is? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are lots of books. I I love Kevin <laughs> DeYoung. If you know me, I love Kevin DeYoung. Yeah, uh, I think there's so he's he's about to come out with a book. Um, yeah, I I don't know what it's called, but it's just like a, almost like a daily devotion on theological topics. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be something you can read like like real short. Mm-hmm. Um, or it might even be already out. I need to look at the. I need to look it up after. But yeah. Um, while I was in Charlotte, last time I was in Charlotte, he was working on it. But man, go pick that book up. Yeah. And just read one 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 a day, or you don't even have it doesn't even have to be a devotional. It's just something that you want to know. Yeah. It will lead you to devotion. That's a that's a great resource. You should pick that up. I yeah, think J. J. Packer's Concise Theology. If you're if you've already yeah. read read Knowing God, but you want to read more J.I. Packer, it's um, one. his concise theology is good. And the word concise there is is true. Yeah. It's concise. Um yeah, there are a lot there there are lots of other authors. I mean, it just yeah. There's a giant bookshelf behind you and there's another bookshelf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh amazing. matter of fact, you know, if you really want to dive into something that's going to rock your world forever, uh it'd be Stephen Charnock's uh Behemoth of a book, uh The Existence and Attributes of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a reason why that book is still around uh after over 300 years. Yeah, I mean AW Pink's AW Pink's Yes. Um that one's incredible. Yeah. Um, could, RC Sproul has a three yep. volume set called The Truths We Confess and those are just his commentaries on the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Those are phenomenal. I yeah. mean you can pick those up. Those are really accessible. J.I. Packer learned like J.I. Packer and RC Sproul even though they had different styles, they thought very similarly. Yeah. Um, so if you like J.I. Packer and have read Knowing God, you could pick up R.C. Sproul, I think, pretty easily. Yeah. Although some might say that R.C. Sproul is a little harder to read than J.I. Packer, but teach their own, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think for me, uh, one of the authors who I've appreciated so much, uh, who, who is doing a lot on the doctrine of God right now, is Matthew Barrett over up at a Midwestern Seminary in Kansas City. He wrote a book called None Greater, which is on... Uh, the attributes of God, which is just stunning. But he also wrote uh, maybe my favorite book on the Trinity called Simply Trinity. And uh, in both of those books, when I read them, uh, I, I, 
it just had kind of that same experience like with Packer. And I just remember thinking like, man, God is awesome. Uh, truly like in the true sense of the word. And, but I do, I think it's so funny. I, um, I'm glad you mentioned A.W. Pink's book because I actually randomly found that on my grandparents' bookshelf, had no clue who he was or what that was, opened it up, started reading it and realized I found an absolute gem. Um, yeah, I think that there's another, there's a great little devotional book called, uh, none else by Joel Beakey and Brian mm-hmm. Cosby. And, mm-hmm. uh, It'd be, it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be really fun to get Brian Cosby on the podcast, actually. Um, but uh, he, he uh, it's just such a great devotional book where it's just short little writing. So uh, I think um, last one I'll mention, I, I yeah. think um, uh, John Calvin's book. Oh, yeah, I'm trying to think what. Uh, I, I can't see. remember if it's the little golden book on the Christian life or I don't know if golden is in there, but. The little book yeah. on the Christian life. You can look it up. Oh, yeah, I, I can't yeah, read yeah. the title. It's a little almost um, pocket size. Yeah. Yeah. It's so Great easy book. to read. And and John Calvin was writing for, you know, the farmer boy, the plow boy. Yeah. Yeah. You can Sorry. read it. Yeah. I think so, yeah. I think we're often uh surprised uh at what we can actually read. We we just kind of need to uh open it up so um well jr man i really appreciate it this has just been uh such a great conversation and uh i i think one that we need to continue to promote and talk about and help people see just the riches of who god is uh in the gospel of grace so thanks for joining us on the gospel gazing podcast and uh as always i'll find out a way to end this episode very awkward awkwardly so um yeah so we'll see you in well, future episodes yeah hey thanks for having me on and um i'll just keep telling you about how i'm picking p- picking up your slack in ruf so yeah, yeah yeah he's really he's really lifting the weight uh so he he's bearing the burden <laughs>